freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round two recap for the Masters. We're going to break it all down an absolutely stacked leaderboard storylines out the wazoo. And joining me to do that, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, you were already telling me how sad you are that we're already a round and a half in. Yeah, two days. There's only two more days of Masters. It's sad. <laughs> Oh, I'm, well, I'm enjoying it so much. So I'm I'm loving it, watching it on so many different screens. You got Mark and Amen Corner up on one screen, the broadcast up on another, um, maybe a, a couple of my groups going on, on on the phone. You just you can't get enough of it. It's it's fantastic. Two days, but technically two and a half rounds to play. Mark Immelman also here. Mark, I got to tell you, uh, and this is not from me. I'm seeing this on the Internet, so it must be true. Amen Corner getting a lot of rave reviews for this week so first off congratulations and welcome well thanks i I gotta tell you you know what makes my day every day or at least has this week when i click onto the zoom call with my on the mark but with my my first cut not my on the mark buddy and and uh, and producer jacob plays that intro and i just see your head bobbing to it i mean this, this makes me so happy it makes my day whatever has happened it gets infinitely better when I see you do that. Oh, that our, the new theme is infectious. I absolutely love it. It gets me every time. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we, we got a good one. We got a good one going on down in Augusta, Georgia. Four names atop the leaderboard. As of now, we still have uh, the, the afternoon wave having to play about half their holes or so. But as of right now, Friday evening, Abraham Answer, Cam Smith, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson at the top of the leaderboard. Greg, just before we dive into these guys, uh, what a board, what a first day and a half. This is phenomenal stuff. Yeah, it really is. Uh, And it always creates a a phenomenal board. Uh, Maybe some names that you didn't expect, but it, it doesn't take anything away from it. It's not like they're people we're unfamiliar with. So it's just the the styles that work here at Augusta national always seem to um, amaze me because you can play it. There's so many different ways to play the golf course. So I love watching that. First of all, the other thing that I love is as as easy as these conditions seem to be, you have no wind, you have soft conditions. Maybe it's playing a little bit longer, but you, you can put your ball wherever you want and it will stay there. There's very, very little guessing game when it comes to approaching these greens yet at the same time, um, there is catastrophe around any corner and even some of the, the best players in the field um, players who are supposed to take the place apart, Justin Thomas, who is taking the place apart. They still find themselves making some mistakes if they, if they hit Aaron T shot. So I love watching that balance where there really are double bogeys or worse out here, even though we're getting to see so many birdies, it just creates for the most exciting event in the world. There is a trend to the top of this leaderboard, Mark. Uh, All of these guys, Answer Smith, JT, DJ, they're all in the President's Cup. Uh, Hideki played on the President's Cup team, right? Sungjae Im. I mean, all these names at the top. Cantlay was there. Yeah, I mean, basically seven of the top eight players were, were in Australia this year. You know what, Rick? I hadn't, uh, I hadn't picked that, but I'm going to use that tomorrow. I appreciate you. Um, it's the, the thing that I, I actually said on our show is that Augusta National has a wonderful way, and Greg touched on this, 
there's a wonderful way of identifying the best players and the players who are playing the best. And some years that'll be the favorites and some years that might not be the favorite. Some person who's playing really well, who comes into this golf course, comes into this event and just does the right thing. And, and we saw on a soft golf course where everyone was saying, okay, it's going to be just a birdie fest. And we have seen a number of birdie fests for a while. I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Because this is not the Masters. I watch balls react differently on the greens. I watch balls, slopes that would normally be in play, sort of be mitigated some by the soft conditions. But in the end, you look at the leaderboard, and these are all guys that have been playing well the entire season. And they've come in here in Augusta National, long or short, wet or dry, firm or soft. This place always identifies the best player. And the one thing about this, and I'm sure we'll touch on this, it's occurred to me in watching Amen Corner and watching everyone come through there, not just the leaders. That's the benefit of doing our show. I've seen everyone play through there. I know this. I'd said as much, but now I know this for certain. You cannot impose your will on Augusta National. You just can't. There's certain situations that you have to play the right shot, not the shot that you think is right. There's certain situations that you have to capitulate and just hit to the middle of the green. You heard a few guys in their post-round comments say that today. So, so, so you have to you have to understand the golf course. You have to understand golf. You have to understand the use of the undulation and just the, the, the winds around the place there. And if you do that, and if you're disciplined enough to be true to that, then she will reward you. If not, you might have some success, but it will be short-lived that I can promise you. Mm. Well, the, the, what, let's, let's dive into some of these guys here who were hitting those shots that, that Mark's describing. Greg, we'll start with Dustin Johnson here. So his second round started on the 10th hole. So he birdies 11, 12, 13. But even before that, remember, he finished his first round here on Friday, today, the day we're talking about this. And he was scorching at the end of round one. He carried it right over into round two. And I'm thinking... Oh boy, this is this is video game DJ. This is where he just run runs away and hides from everybody. And a couple of bogeys at 14 and 15 stopped that. But uh, wow, he 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 looked good not only in the second round but all day today. 14. I'm not sure what happened on 14, um, but he just he left it in the one spot. He can't leave it. He, right, he hit a, a, a quality shot in there. I'm sure it looked pretty good in the air, but he leaves it up on the wrong shelf and you get it. You can't, you just can't be left of that whole location. You have to be past the whole location. You have to be right of it, which is some of what Mark's talking about here. You, you have got to play the right shot. That was a whole location um, where you had to do that. You had to accept hitting it a little past hitting it a little right. Um, and, and that kind of started something that was a little dicey and he didn't make another birdie until number nine. Um, but he still finds himself in the share of the lead, at least after day two. We'll see what happens after round two. But he is extremely impressive. He's driving it great. He's hitting his irons great. It looks like the Dustin Johnson we've been watching for, uh, you know, since the PGA Championship. Mark, let's mine into uh, the fact that Augusta National is playing a little bit different than we normally get. And, and to put a little context into that, Dustin actually touched 10 under par through 22 holes this week. The second fastest to ever reach 10 under in Masters history, the fastest Greg Norman, who did it in 20 holes in 1996. So certainly taking advantage of the conditions that we have this week. Oh, absolutely. And just something to Greg's point that I want to build on a little bit there. And and to your observation, um, 
the only real run that I ever remember in all of my time here at Augusta National, and I've been lucky enough to be here since like 1999, is Anthony Kim, who went bananas in the final round. I think it was the final round of maybe Saturday one year and made like 10 birdies in 18 holes, which was just off the charts. And the golf course was playing kind of hard. But if a guy really gets busy around this place and really things are going your way, look, the golf, the, the course record is still 63. And, and so you, you don't ever see these crazy rounds where a person, person gets in a real tear just because of the setup of the golf course. Like if, if you start on the, the second nine, because I can speak to this because I've been on that show for a little while there. Um, 10, 11 are really hard. 12 is ordinarily quite hard. The, the numbers of guys hitting that little green in regulation from 150 yards is about 47% this week. I mean, that's just silliness if you think about this. Then 13, you can get 14. You've got to be a bit careful, but you can get 15. You can get 16, depending on the whole location. You can get after 17, 18 are dangerous. So you see the golf course gives you some, then takes some away and gives you some and takes some away. And to DJ, to DJ, he looked downright invincible. He mm. came through our place there on Amen Corner. And I was like, this could, I actually said, this guy, it could be one-way traffic because he's birdied all three holes. He's got the par fives in front. And all of a sudden, he gets on the wrong side of a flag on 14. And then you're making a bogey. And then that sort of stalled the momentum some. So that's my point is what you say, Rick, I feel like it's a function just of the way these holes blend together. It's mm. the same thing on the first nine, uh, the, 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 the outward half. One is sort of a soft, welcoming, but can be difficult par four. Two's easy, three's easy, four's hard, five's hard, six is on the edge. Seven can be really hard if you're on the wrong side of the hole. Eight's easy, nine is sort of touch and go. So you see there's ins and outs all of the time. So you've got to play your runs. And you don't really see guys going on these extended runs mm. until Sunday afternoon when they put the whole locations in places where they're like, okay, have at it, boys. Let's get some, <laughs> let, let's get some fun going on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you're basically bobbing and weaving throughout the course of the round. Um, let's bring in Kyle Porter into this conversation. First up, what up, KP? What's up? Welcome. What a day. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's let's get you in on this. Justin Thomas tied atop the leaderboard. Uh, another guy who played a lot of golf on Friday, and it was it was kind of all over the place. You know, he was on fire on Thursday. He was five under through ten holes. He played his second half of round one in one under. Probably thought he left a couple of strokes out there. Then kind of struggled out of the gate in round two before figuring it out, getting on a run. He closes with a birdie, and he's right there nine under, right in this thing. Yeah, it was. Uh... I mean, this tournament's freaking awesome. I just <laughs> it. It's the best. I followed JT for a little bit on the start of his second round, and then I kind of dropped back to DJ when DJ started making a move. And JT, it got it got messy at times, right? I didn't see the double on one, but thirteen was a circus. He had there was a guy that to find his ball, somebody came out of the crowd. It's not really a crowd out of the group of people that was watching ran across the fairway and pointed to where his ball was on 13. Like the, the rules official was calling this person out of the crowd because he was yelling across the fairway. It was unbelievable. Um, but J I mean, that's what JT does, right? Is he'll go on these four birdie runs in a row get really hot and then a double and you're like kind of back to, to this normal place. But look, I mean, for both him and DJ, they're in a spot at Augusta where they've never been before. I mean, at nine under, I think 
to this point, the best JT had been through 36 holes was three under the best DJ had been was seven under. So they've never really been, at least not at Augusta, they've never really been in a spot before. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond on. I think they're great foils for each other. I know there's a ton of other guys in it. Rom might be the favorite. Um, you got to answer, you got all those guys up there, but I, I wrote about JT and DJ cause I think they're really interesting foils. JT shows all this emotion DJ shows no emotion and mm. they're kind of different games. I, I think they're super interesting. Yeah. We have so many guys to talk about. I want to kind of get through as many as we can. So Greg, I'll, I'll pose this to you. The, the two guys that are not the big boys atop of the leaderboard, Abraham answer. He does it his own way. Not a big hitter of the golf ball. Cam Smith won in January at the Sony open, both on that international president's cup team. I mean, uh, how would you rate the staying power of these two over the course of the weekend? Um, when they're compared to Dustin Johnson and, and Justin Thomas and John Rahm, it's hard to say that they're going to stay. They seem like the easy targets that are going to fall off. However, when you watch Abraham answer play, he's a fiery and I, I, I trust his confidence in himself. And I think he, he, he categorizes himself as one of these great players. Remember when he um, asked for tiger in Sunday, in Sunday singles or Saturday, singles, yes. or whatever it was, <laughs> go, go ahead, Mark. No, I wanted to add to your point. Just consider real fast, and I want you to build on this for me, Greg. Augusta National, in many respects, with the undulations and all that sort of stuff and the movement on the greens, is very much like real Melbourne. And Greg, that boy love, was a firecracker that. down there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, same, same, uh, same architect, Do uh, Dr. Alistair McKenzie. So, um, yes, I, I do think that's fascinating. I would not rule out Abraham answer. It's unfair to rule out Cam Smith as well, but I'm, I'm a little more partial to Abraham answer. I like what I see from him. I think he has uh, immense belief. He at least shows it a little more than a Cam Smith. And Rick, I, I think the, the Tiger Woods thing, they, everybody's been talking about it. I think that was <laughs> completely misunderstood. It definitely it's was. Like, like I, I mean, I would say the same thing. Yeah, I, of course I want to play against Tiger. They, I don't think he was challenging Tiger. Like he wasn't. Come get a piece to me. This is a we're, we're not battling for a, a championship belt here. But it, yeah, I'd like to play with the greatest player to ever play the game. So that's definitely overblown. But what I see from Abraham Answer, I think back to um, um, I, it was at the time the Desert Classic where he made this crazy run on it was the Amer I think it was the American express. It might've been this year. Um, it, the years are blending together for me, but anyway, he, he goes on this crazy run and he, he loses narrowly to Andrew Landry and he's upset. He, sh he shot 63 and he feels like he let it get away. And he was came out of com completely out of nowhere. And he's ticked off about He's a guy who hates to lose. He doesn't necessarily love to win. So I, I give him a real shot. Uh, if you want to watch this Sunday's conclusion in sparkling high definition, you can do that with your own TV or next masters. You can do it with our TV because we're giving away a 55 inch smart television. Here's what you need to know. If you want a chance to win first off, completely free to enter to win, go to cbssports.com slash first cut giveaway. That link is in the description of the episode if you're watching on YouTube, as well as in the podcast description on all podcasting platforms. The contest ends November 23rd, so the winner will get to watch next Masters in crispy high definition. 
Okay, here's where we go. I want to go to you, uh, Kyle, on this because John Rahm was your pick to win, I believe, and he has uh, holes in hand, which we oftentimes describe as very valuable. He is going to restart Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m., with a five-footer for birdie on 13, and if he hits that, he will touch nine under par. So we, I, I've tried to avoid saying anybody has a 36-hole lead because we're not there yet. John Rahm might be asserting himself on the top of the leaderboard here shortly. Would you rather be – I was thinking about this on the way back to the hotel. Would you rather be Rahm or, like, the DJ JT position? Rahm has a five-footer that he can practice and two par fives ahead, right, Mark? Uh, yes, there's a point to that. But you, did you see JT this morning when everyone was expecting him to get to nine, whatever True. it was, and it didn't happen? Um, True. Yeah, I've said before, a score on the board is better than a score that potentially could be on the board. And and just from the length of this golf course, the, the tough walk that it is because it's wet underfoot, um, I would rather be the guys with their feet up, to be honest with you. I'd happily I, take nine under par and chill in the clubhouse right now and wait for my late tee time. I, I tend to agree with you, uh, Mark. I, I think that this is a situation where although there's birdies out there and, and you're feeling like I want I want more holes, I want to be able to go get it, there's danger lurking around every corner. And you could quickly um, you know, come up just short like Dustin Johnson did on hole number 15, and all of a sudden you get on the wrong side of hole number 14, and all of a sudden things don't look quite as good. So I, I, I would favor um, – I also want to have the rest until – I want to have the rest heading into Sunday. I think it was an advantage for the early guys today to have a tougher day on Friday, have some rest heading into um, a late Saturday, and then um, hopefully a late Sunday. Kyle, so I'll, I'll read to you on John Rahm here because I want to know if you saw him on 10. His ball was perched above the bunker greenside, and I'm thinking he's dead over there. And we saw John Rahm short game magic getting up and down from another awkward position, which he tends to do time and time again i didn't see it i was out i was out with tiger i got i got out with tiger on like seven and i think i think rom and bryson were on like eight or nine um so he kind of went on a little bit of a run after i got out there i was i was i was following his score though and i saw he birdied 12 and i got excited because he had 13 and 15 coming up what happened on 13 i didn't i didn't totally see what he did on 13 so he hits his drive. Uh, I kind of in an awkward position, I think. And then he laid back to like 70 yards and then he hit his approach to five feet. And that's what he's sitting on right now. This is, uh, this is Rom, right? Yeah. I think normally, I think I would agree with Mark about being in the clubhouse with a score, but man, it is so, it's so enticing to be out there because you're like, <laughs> 15 you could you know I, I don't know 16 like it's kind of a funnel down there guys were making birdie on 17 you, you just you can kind of talk yourself into it but like mark said we we saw like we saw some guys make some big numbers as well i think one thing that's interesting that i wanted to point out is you know normally at great courses and normally at augusta we see separation in a leaderboard, right? That's what fast and firm creates is, um, you know, that risk reward separation where we see speed six out in front. We see, uh, you know, I think about, I don't know, Patty Reed, like three out in front going into Sunday. We're just not seeing that separation this year, which I think is probably worse in terms of like just a, just a setup 
but it's kind of better for uh, it's kind of like a, a PGA championship type feel with all these guys involved. I, I think that's been kind of the one, one of the main takeaways for me over 36 holes. Hey, as it pertains to Rom, I'm turning to you guys for some insight here, please, because I've been hearing a few statements from a few pundits that have been grinding my gears. And this statement goes, John Rahm is not a very good iron player. <laughs> now, this is not what I've seen in my career calling golf on the golf course. Would you guys please help me make heads or tails of this? Because I'm hearing this. It's not what I see. Someone help me out. Well, um, I, I would say if you look at strokes gained, and I'm interested to get Rick and Kyle's thoughts too, but uh, I, if you look at strokes gained, it's the weakest area of his game. But his coach, Dave Phillips, um, is is someone I've, I've had a chance to speak with a little bit. And one of the things they try to do every week is lead the field in greens of regulation. Um, and, and last year, greens of regulation is maybe, it's not really a, a statistic. If you look at the leaders in greens of regulation and you look at uh, guys in official money and where they rank, it's not necessarily, uh, there's no, no, no real correlation there. Although for John Rahm, there's a correlation. When he hits a lot of greens, he tends to do very well. And I think at Augusta National as well, hitting greens is a very important aspect. And he had 72% of his greens yesterday. He's hit 67% so far. I, I think that's where his iron play comes in. You may see, because of what his goals are, you may see the strokes gain numbers um, get skewed a little bit. I, I would appreciate that. I would call him a really good iron player. I think he's, I don't know that he's like the Morikawa JT, but he's, He's pretty solid. I mean, yeah, that, he's really, really, really good. I mean, yeah, you look at it and maybe it's like the least or whatever of, of, of what he does well, but he's so well-rounded that it's still, it's still awesome. And, and I think what is even more impre- like he's uh, he's good with his long irons, right? Which I feel like is what you you see the highlights of. Like uh, even if you look at some of the stats, like his proximity from, you know, 175 to 200 or something like that, uh, he tends to stripe those pretty well. Um Anything else on Rom? I got two more guys I at least need to talk about. Uh, real quick on Rom, uh, yeah. his ball fight for this place is just – it's so – I mean, it's so perfect. And I just – I don't know. I think he's i think he's going to be in it until the end. Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, <laughs> sleeping outside the cut line on a Friday night. Uh, guys, he has played 30 holes in this event. I'll talk about this first. Make Kyle talk about this first. Kyle, um, first of all, 30 holes, 30 little adventures. It's exhausting to be Bryson DeChambeau, right? It has to be. It's been just an absolute circus. Yeah. He did. He got a pretty crappy break on uh, four, three. Three. It was three, but he still, okay, it was a crappy break, but then he hit his next shot in the same exact spot and sculled his pitch up to the green. For sure. Okay. But you know, I was thinking about this. We see all these balls go in the woods on 13 and they all get found somehow. And then Bryson hits it. I don't know, 25 yards left, maybe farther, maybe 40 yards left on three. And, and it can't, well, I don't understand how that ball didn't get found. Yeah. It's underground. That ball's underground. Underground. It, yeah. It plugged. It buried, it, it buried. I think it's a little, it, that's a low part of the golf course, uh, a low part of the hole at least. And it looks like there's a little bit of, um, you know, it looks like it was a little damp over there. And I a think with his apex, I think it just plugged. I mean, the camera can see it. It lands like three or four feet into the second cut. I, I believe that ball is underground. 
That's just me. Agreed. Uh, so that was obviously about it. Just, I, I mean, honestly, like, I don't think it's this big, like, referendum on what he's doing. I think he's just not driving the ball very well. I didn't, again, I didn't see all of his round. I was with Tiger. The parts I did see, he hit some great drives. I mean, the drive on two was unbelievable. It's at 380. The drive on 13, I saw the tracer afterwards. That was unreal. But he just is kind of all over the place in spots that you that you don't want to be. You can miss big at Augusta and be okay, but he's missing big on like the wrong way. So I, I just I just think it's been a bad week off the tee for him. I, I don't know that it's more complicated than that. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. You you've probably seen more shots from him than I actually have, Rick. I think I've seen every single one, and it has been a, a, an adventure. Here, here's the thing. So, so Mark, he is currently uh, – so here's the cut situation. Currently at even, maybe on the more likely side to go to, to, go to minus one. Four guys have to – you think it's going to move to minus one, Mark? Yeah. So, so he's got a little bit of work to do now. He's got a – I think like a 17-footer for Eagle on 13. I mean, this guy's always kind of up in his own head and trying to figure things out. I can't imagine sleeping – in this, I mean, it might have been good. It might have been good that he is going to get to try to iron some things out tomorrow before he has to come back and play. Look, I, I'm pretty confident he'll make the cuts. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll birdie 13 at worst. That gets him back to what even, right? I, I think he's yeah. over right now. Yeah, he'll be even. And then he, if he gets a good gets a good drive away on um, 15, he's going to have a club in there. He'll head in the green, make a make a four, and then you par in and you're making the cuts. Here's my thing. It's Everybody, everybody was saying that this, this was going to be one-way traffic. I mean, there were a few folks saying, hold on, pump the brakes a little bit here. You've got to hit more than just the driver well to play at Augusta. Now, if you go through the list and you're lazy enough, you can look at the list go, well, Jack Nicholas drove it great and Vijay Singh drove it great and all these guys drive the thing great. But it is not the answer around Augusta National. You can't bludgeon this golf course to death. You just can't. Because you're going to get yourself in spots like he did. And so you've got to play this course and you have to use the correct shot. Uh, sometimes it's not the shot that you want to hit, but you've got to have the moxie about you to hit the shot that's required. And that's one of the keys to playing this golf course. You play it from underneath the hole. You know where to miss if you're in trouble. And then you hit the correct shot, the the shot that's warranted. And if you go through all of the YouTube videos that people have watched of all the great champions – you will pretty well see them playing from the same place and they'll hit the ball in the same place in the greens. And, and they basically chart this place because there's certain places you navigate around. So you can't break Augusta national. I don't care how far you drive the thing. I've heard people say, well, Bryson's going to shoot 20 under par for goodness sakes, man. Goodness. <laughs> okay. I respect him highly. Don't get me wrong, but, but no, people need to now wake up a little bit and go put Bryson on a course with heavy, rough, big straight fairways and stuff where he can just swing for the fences. Cool. But at Augusta National, you're going to need to be a bit more versatile than that. And I will say, nobody here. I was a little worried going into the week where our, on our cheat sheet, Bryson's name wasn't on there. Nobody had him as a top 10 lock. Nobody had him as a, a winner. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure where he was in, in matchups, but, but he wasn't on our sheet anywhere. And that made me a little bit nervous, but you're seeing the, <laughs> the nuances, right? You got to get, you you get your ball Greg. on the right side. What's that? 
You got to believe in what you say, man. Come on, brother. Yeah, I, I, hey, I do. I'm just I'm just saying, like, did we really did? I, I was kind of hoping one of you guys would put him in there as maybe a top 10 lock. I was I was trying so hard to get out in front of the the Bryson take of like, see, not going to work here. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. I, no, no, I mean, look, it, this style is an advantage. You see it on number two. But like you said, Kyle and, and Mark as well, you got to play well. You got to hit, you got to drive it well. um, To Kyle's point, you got to get the ball in position to Mark's point. And he's just been, this is a guy who's frustrated right now. And, and there have been a couple moments in both rounds where he's gotten frustrated. And, and after that, if you try to force it, if you try to make up for it, it bites you. And that's what I think the, I I think that's the problem that Bryson's run into, especially today. He tried to, redeem the bad break right away and and it bites i think mark's point is is really interesting and it's hard because he has all these holes where he can't he could try to hit the 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 bryson take the bryson line hit the bryson shot on it but how do you how do you pick and choose your spots like 13 like that's a huge advantage to be able to hit it where he did so like that is breaking augusta or whatever but but you can't i think mark's right you can't do that on every single hole and you have to try and pick and choose you know i I heard webb talk about this on thursday after his round he said i i came in here and i didn't respect the golf course as much as i should have early in my career i think he said like first five or six times playing and the reason that i've been playing better recently is because i started giving it more respect and it is interesting because you you get out there and you're like uh, you can just hit it wherever and it's <laughs> wide open and all this stuff. And I think there's, there is some, tr- I mean, Phil's one there. So there's some truth to that. Right. But it, it, there is like a level of, of kind of low key respect that you have to have in certain positions. So if I'm him, I'm just thinking like, how do I apply this, but also like maintain respect for the course I- into the future. Augusta National was modeled on the old course at St. Andrews where you can play down the right side and you are going to be safe every single time, but your angles to the targets are going to be harder. If you take on the tight line, the one down the left-hand side into the middle of the golf course, there's bunkers down there and stuff. You are opening yourself up to disaster, but you do create better angles. It's the same thing as Royal Melbourne. And yet Augusta National on, on 13, he smashes one over the trees today. So he's got wedge in there or whatever it is, but he's got wedge of a lie like this and a lofted club off a side hill lie points more left. And so it's even harder for this guy to work hard to keep the face looking where it should for a right hole location. Like we saw today, it was easier almost to hit a medium iron off a side hill lie than it was a wedge because the more loft there is on a wedge, the more the thing's looking over your shoulder over here. So, so that's the situation. He could hit three iron off the tee and probably make the same scores what he did. He got awfully fortunate today where he hit it. That thing was flirting with disaster there for a minute, for a second or two. So you think he'd be better off farther away? On 13, yeah. If he gets it to 14 fairway, yes, that's a better option because it's more level up there and you're playing to the expanse of the green. And from that angle, you've got a big backstop over there. But if you're coming down there from a wedge, now for a lefty, like a, like, like a Bubba Watson for argument's sakes, you've got a hanging lie over there all the troubles over here and the last few rounds, whole locations on the right side of the green. Your body will slow down off that lie so you can square the face up and draw something into the green. 
Bryson's got the ball above the feet, a wedge in his hand. The face looks here because of the loft. And then you're trying to go, well, I don't want to pull it left because that's cooked. And you hold on to one and you undercook this thing into the, 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 the creek on the right. The, the, this is the way you need to sort of approach this golf course. And, and it either comes by experience or it comes by being prepared to play the shot again. I'm going to uh, add nauseam. Play the shot that's required. You know, the, with the angle of that green and the green at number 12 is the yeah, same. There are you. many of these. Um, you, you have, this is why I think it's an advantage for the lefty while the lie does come into play. But at the same time, if you had, if you pull a shot left-handed or right-handed, it's going to go farther. If you, if you leave it to the push side, it's 10, it tends to go a little bit shorter. So for Phil Mickelson, when he's in the pine straw and he's deciding between a six and a seven going at a front hole location, he can aim at it. And if he pulls it, it there's, there's space over there, right? He pulls it. It'll still carry the Creek. It'll pull farther than he expects. And if he misses it a little to the left and it comes up shorter, he's gaining space because of the angle. It's the opposite for a right-hander where you leave it a little bit short and all of a sudden there's a, there's a, a Creek there. There's a, there's a penalty area right there and that's trouble. And if you pull it long, if you pull it and it goes long, now you're left with a really difficult putt. The, but the beauty, that, that's kind of the nuance that makes this place so special. And it requires the respect because it was designed for everybody to play. Originally, if you read any of the literature on it with, from uh, Dr. Alistair McKenzie and Bobby Jones, they wanted everybody to be able to play it. And yet here we are where it challenges every year the very best players in the world. And somebody like Bryson, somebody who comes in with high anticipation and high hopes always seems to struggle. Um, so that, that speaks to the respect that you were talking about, Kyle. Hey, Rick, if you let me put a bow on this, because there's a mere culpa that's coming. But you talk about Dr. McKenzie's observation, Greg, I love that. Only one forced carry on this golf course, and it's about 145 yards that you've got to hit the thing over something. And just incidentally, folks, yes, I took Bryson over JT in the matchups. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, so let that. I'll just let. I'll just let that hang there. Go. But that's not like there was a reason to pick him. It's not like it's. It, yeah, it, I, I don't think well, that was a bad pick. No, it's still an advantage, and it'll yeah. be an advantage in April. It'll be an advantage every year. It's just you still it, it doesn't guarantee anything. Listen to that guy. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> All right. We're gonna we're gonna put a pin in Bryson. Uh real quick on Tiger Woods, something I've never said before, Kyle. We are I'm I'll get fired if we don't talk about Tiger. Two birdies, two bogeys. He has a lot of golf to play on Saturday. Uh he's gonna come out and he's gonna start at eleven. He's already hit his tee shot there. He has two hundred and three yards into the into the green. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, he was he was uh, spotless in round one, not as sharp in round two, and he has a lot of golf to play on Saturday. Yeah, I followed him from uh, like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and he was grinding pretty hard. I mean, it, it was clear that he was trying to – you know, it was interesting. They had a rules official come out and kind of said, hey, we've got like three minutes left before the horn's going to blow. And Tiger – and Tiger, did they show this on TV? It, it, he, they, he was asking how much time he had left. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And Tiger and Shane Lowry looked at each other and they were like, we're good. Let's go in. <laughs> yeah. And he, it was clear that he just wanted to get it to Saturday. And I don't know if that was – he kept stretching his back. I don't know if he wasn't feeling as good as he was. on. I don't, I don't know what the reason was. But um, 
I mean, Saturday morning for him is, is make or break, right? You know, Justin Ray had the stat 32 of the last 33 winners have been in the top 10 after 36 holes. So he's going to have to get to seven under probably something like that. Six under seven under. And he's at seven right now. He's at four right now. So he could do that. I mean, he's got 13 coming up. He's going to have a hard time making par on 11, honestly, from where he's at. Because yeah. he's kind of in that second cut. It's going it, to – that'll be a tough shot. Um, so, yeah, he, he didn't look as sharp. But, man, he is pounding fairways and greens. I think he hit – I think he hit seven of eight fairways and, like, nine of 11 greens or ten or eight of 11, something like that. So, he's been, he's been really good about, like, kind of keeping his ball where he needs to. He just – the bogeys he made, honestly, on Friday were sloppy. The putt on – three was bad and then the uh he couldn't get up and down on seven that was that was a tough up and down he was short-sighted so i don't know i i think we'll know kind of what the eventual outcome will be based on the last seven holes that he plays on on saturday morning yeah uh all right we got to get out of here but greg before we do moving day on saturday who is the golfer that's going to make the biggest move and why is it rory mcelroy <laughs> well, Rory seems to have kind of calmed down. Whatever the stress is, whatever the pressures are of your first round, um, you know, the start, as important as it is, it seems to be relieved. And now he's kind of found a, a little bit of a rhythm. He's found something, no question about it. So Rory would be a really strong candidate. Um, I think it's going to be, I, I ha- have this funny feeling Tiger's going to make a, a move. I think I'm going to say Tiger. All right. We will see. Uh, for can those, I, can, can I throw your name real fast? Just, I, just, I would love it, Mark. Yes, Tommy Fleetwood. That guy is cruising underneath the radar right now. I watched him play a few holes. It is being flushed, and he's looking—I don't know—almost like he's not disinterested, but he just doesn't have the energy going on that everyone else does. And he's put together a round where it, it doesn't even look like he's been excitable about the whole thing if he gets a little adrenaline going i think fleetwood could be one to watch all right uh tiger rory fleetwood kp 15 seconds who's making the move tomorrow bernard longer book it <laughs> which in which direction is he going to be moving <laughs> oldest guy to make the cut that's sick that's awesome awesome yeah. That's awesome. All right, gentlemen, for those of you in the U.S. on Saturday, you can watch the broadcast on CBS from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern streaming, of course, is available on the Masters official app or at masters.com, CBS All Access, CBSSports.com, or the CBS Sports app. No excuses. Go watch golf on Saturday. We'll be back after the round concludes. YouTube Live in your podcasting feeds. That's Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the Real FG. That's Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore. Immelman. That's Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.